Hello, and welcome to the Plantas Pod, Bold Strategies for Visionary Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Daniela Alam, and on today's episode, we talk with Dalton Honore, the founder of Daydream Kafucha. He shares his unique story of entrepreneurship and the trials and tribulations of starting and growing a CPG beverage brand. I hope you enjoy the episode, and please let us know what you think. Hey everyone, I am super excited for my guest today. His name is Dalton Honore, and he is the founder and CEO of Daydream Kafucha, which is a sparkling fermented coffee brand, which is delicious, by the way, based out of New Orleans, Louisiana. Although Dalton is a Louisiana native, he received a degree in food science and engineering from the University of Arkansas. And it was in college that Dalton caught the entrepreneurial bug that would one day lead to the creation of Daydream. Over the past seven years, Dalton has worked in many different facets of the beverage industry, including merchandising and distribution, beer brewing, quality assurance, and most recently also serving as the head of research and development for another beverage brand. So I'm super excited to have you here on the podcast, Dalton. It's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me and thank you for that awesome intro. <laughs> well, thank you for doing amazing things. So Dalton and I met a few years ago at an incubator program out of New Orleans. Um, and since then, uh, we've stayed pretty close and connected and I loved working with Dalton and I felt like his experience as a, as a founder in the CPG space uh, could be very valuable to all the folks listening. So Dalton, can you tell us a little bit about what made you decide to be an entrepreneur? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, I think that, you know, personally, in my own personal opinion, I think that entrepreneurs are um, born, you know, and, and you know, we kind of grow. And mm. I think that an entrepreneur is uh, someone that craves freedom, that craves mm. Um, you know, problem solving and challenges. And, and um, that's really who I am as a person. And so uh, obviously, there's a lot of different career paths that one could take, but um, this really hit the mark for for what I was looking for as an individual. Mm, yeah, that's something I resonate with as well. Uh, this idea of freedom, right, being one of the big things that that we look for in this entrepreneurship journey, but it obviously as you very well know, comes with a lot of highs and lows. So what have been like some of like the big things you've learned in, in this crazy journey called entrepreneurship? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it, it is a crazy journey. Um, and, and, you know, I don't want to put anybody off of entrepreneurship. So just take my experience for what it is. Um, but yeah, it's, it has been filled with a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Um, you know, most recently, uh, we just secured a new co-packer, uh, which Ooh, has been a, exciting. Thank you. A huge win for us, um, just in, in the difficulty of manufacturing this product. So that's happened. We secured distribution with a distribution partner uh, recently. And so that's been really big. Uh, and our velocities in store have been, you know, really impressive. So consumer demand has been uh, uh, pretty high. And so those those moments make all of the um, low points worth it, I guess. 
Yeah, but it's a journey, right, to get to that. So, I mean, we so we met at Propeller, which is a New Orleans-based incubator for for social businesses. And what was that experience like for you? And at what what point were you at in the brand when you entered uh, that incubator program? That was an amazing experience, um, hands down. I would recommend it to anybody that's thinking about an incubator program. Um, so when we started uh, with the incubator, we were fairly early in our business. Um, you know, we only had, I wanna say maybe 10 stores that we were in at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, those weren't amazing. They were okay, but not, you know, not amazing. That's in the right home about. Um, and so we came in, we got uh, paired up with a mentor, happened to be the lovely Daniela. Myself, uh, yes. <laughs> um, and essentially just had a network of, of people uh, that could, you know, answer questions when I had them that could point me in, in the direction of, you know, someone that could help me if, if I needed, you know, let's say, um, legal counsel, which I ended up using through the, through the program or, um, you know, financial assistance or, or, um, you know, I guess questions I had around finances. And so it really, it really gave me, um, I guess just a network of people, which in the beginning of any business, uh, it has a tendency to be pretty lonely and you, and you kind of go through, you know, not knowing what to do or where to go or how to, and so to have that network and have people that you can lean on and talk to, like it, it was a, it was definitely a benefit at the, at the stage in the business that we were in. Nice. Yeah. So you would definitely recommend it, uh, this program and probably others to, to entrepreneurs in that similar stage of business. Cause I think what you said about mentorship is so important and that just ability to have other people to bounce your ideas off of. Um, it's so, it's so big. It's so meaningful, even on my own, right. In my own business. Um, like you said, it can be very lonely and sometimes you can second guess yourself. You can, is this the right thing to do? Where should I be focusing on? And just having somebody else as a sounding board can be such a helpful thing in the development of the brand. But I feel like we got to get a little bit ahead of ourselves because you didn't really tell us that amazing story of how you started Daydream. I would love everyone to hear about how this brand and how this idea came to be, because I think Daydream, which is a sparkling fermented coffee brand, is super innovative. And the minute I heard about it, the minute I tried it, I just was like, this is an amazing, amazing idea. So tell folks how you came up with it and how did the brand start? Yeah, I mean, so. Um... You know, our my entrepreneurial journey was uh, has been a very long winding road, uh, and I wish that I could say that Daydream was my first uh, entrepreneurial baby, but it <laughs> it was not. Um, so, you know, interestingly enough, I started a beverage brand in college um, years mm. before I was ever even born, um, and that business didn't do incredibly well, but it taught me a lot of lessons. Uh, and it, 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 I guess, sort of strengthened my resolve in, in, you know, the idea that I wanted to be a beverage entrepreneur. Mm. Uh, following, I guess, sort of the loss of, you know, loss or the, you know, the lessons that I learned from that company, uh, I was sort of in this headspace of, you know, I knew that I wanted to start something else. I knew that I wanted to be in the beverage industry, but I didn't know what it would be. Um, and so I was sitting at home one day watching TV. Um, just pondering this thought, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to get back in the game? And I was watching 
um, I don't know if you know Silicon Valley on HBO. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was watching that show and, um, you know, there's a scene in the in one of the episodes where one of the actors basically goes on to describe kombucha. And he describes it as, you know, a fermented tea. And if you know what kombucha is, you know it's fermented tea. Like that's not some revolutionary thing that he said. But for whatever reason, it I had this sort of aha moment. Mm. And I, I wonder if anybody's ever fermented coffee, right? We fermented tea, but has anybody fermented coffee? I mean, that's the cousin of tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I'm looking it up, I'm Googling. It's maybe 11 o'clock at night. I'm like a madman. I got a beer in my hand, just going to work <laughs> with Google. <laughs> and um, sure enough, there was no commercially, commercially available um, fermented coffee on the market. And so, um, you know, I went to work. I, like I told you earlier, I am a food scientist. And so uh, fermentation was something that uh, I had always had an interest in. And I fermented other things like kombucha, sauerkraut, things of that nature. And so to, to ferment coffee was not a, you know, difficult transition for me. Um, now, parallel that path with, at the same time, I'm working at a brewery. Um, having to get up at three o'clock in the morning to drive to the brewery. Uh, And so at that time, I'm drinking coffee, you know, to wake myself up. Well, I'm someone that, you know, is very caffeine sensitive. I I have a Mm. bad reaction when I drink coffee. So I get the headaches and the jitters and the anxiety, all of that. Um, But I'm drinking it every day. Like I gotta, you know, I gotta get up for work. Well, as I start to, as the, as the coffee, the first few batches start to, you know, taste good. I start drinking that in place of the coffee. Mm-hmm. And to my surprise, I realized that, um, you know, I'm getting the, the alertness and the focus that I would get from a cup of coffee, but I'm not getting the negative, you know, drawbacks of it. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I set out to, you know, get back in the industry and I had this idea for coffee and I'm just playing around in the kitchen. But in that process, I realized that I actually solved a problem. Mm. And entrepreneur or at least any successful entrepreneur will tell you that the way to make it is to go out and solve a problem. And and that's what I did. And that's how that's how Daydream was born. Oh, I love it. Yeah, exactly. Music to my ears, right? You're solving you. It's sort of like this idea, right? Like I didn't choose the entrepreneurship life. It chose me. (laughs) Um, And that, you know, by really solving a need, so many people kind of have the idea, but, you know, a lot of people have a lot of different ideas, Um, but they might not actually be doing anything for anybody. But I think what's so innovative and clever about Daydream and about Tofucha is that it it actually is addressing a concern that a lot of people have with coffee, right? Whether it is the jitters, whether it's just something that you want more gentler for your tummy, which is my issue with coffee. It's just that it just like, my body just doesn't like uh, so much of it, but in a fermented fashion, it feels a lot more uh, gentle. So um, you know, I think this is a this is obviously one of the reasons why your brand has been doing so well and, and growing in velocity, right? Because if you're not actually addressing a need that people have, let me tell you, it's gonna be really hard to make a business out of that. It's important to have skin in the game, you know, like it's important that that what you're doing, like this solves a problem for me. It, I am personally motivated besides mm-hmm. one. 
personally motivated to want to have a product like this on the market because I need this product. And so if you go out and you solve a problem, especially if it's a problem that you have, you're going to be that much more motivated to make it happen because you need it to happen. Yeah, exactly. And didn't you, weren't you also working on something else? What's the story about like the farmer's market, Um, right? Where I think that talks a little bit about also catering to consumer needs better. So what were you, what were you working with at a farmer's market? And what is that story? Yeah, so um, I was working at a farmer's market. This, so this was a few years before, um, I guess, Daydream became a real thing, mm-hmm. right? And I was selling water kefir. That was the, my previous beverage. Water kefir. Um, you know, it, it was okay. It tasted fine. Um, but it, it, I think I was selling water kefir and making water kefir mainly because I wanted to be a beverage entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. And then back to solve your own problem. Um, so I wasn't personally motivated to make sure that this was the best tasting, you know, like to me, I was like, this is fine. It tastes fine enough. Like it's not perfect, but you know, I'm selling it for the health benefits. So people will buy it for the health benefits. And I had some, some repeat customers. Um, and this is when I first started fermenting the coffee and, um, you know, I would, I would drink this at the farmer's market as I'm selling the water kefir. And, you know, as I'm closing out for the summer or closing out to, you know, in this water kefir journey, um, one of my repeat customers asked me what I was drinking. And so I said, well, I'm drinking, um, you know, this fermented coffee that I've been, you know, that I've been making. Um, And he said, oh, well, can I try some? And so I said, sure, why not? So I poured a little bit into a cup and he said, Dalton, this is 10 times better than (laughs) that you're selling. And keep in mind, I mean, this is a loyal customer had come to every farmer's market and bought a bottle at every farmer's market. And he was like, I would buy this 10 times over this. I'm like, we're well, already buying this. So I think <laughs> what would happen if this is what I was selling. Um, and, you know, I have so many little stories of, of, you know, people tasting this and being like, oh my gosh, this is just amazing, you know? And, and for me, like, I love it, but I am also my harshest critic. Uh, and so when you get that sort of market validation, like in real time, nothing beats that, you know, you can, you can have all these think pieces and, and, you know, contemplate the perfect way to launch a brand, but to actually get it out there, have people taste it and say, I love this is more validation than any amount of studying or thinking will ever give you. Say that again. And I mean, I think it also highlights the importance of having a good product, right? Because you could have a good idea, which is like, I want to give people health benefits and something fermented, which was the water kefir, um, which was fine, but the product wasn't really hitting exactly how it needed to hit. And I think what you've done really well with, with Daydream and Kafucha is that people love it. Like people really, really love it. I've experienced it as well. Seeing people be like, wow, like the first sip, they're just like, wow, brain firing, like mind blown. How is this possible? Um, and, and that is such a critical experience, right? Because so many people also think, uh, especially starting out in their CPG journeys, like if I just get X distribution or if I just go do this, then all of my problems are solved. Um, but actually that's really when your problems really begin is once you get uh, that distribution because you got to keep up with the velocity and the velocity is is basically you know fancy marketing speak for takeout how many how many 
bottles or how many cans per week are you selling out of that specific store? And so much of that is a function of how good your product is, right? right. Like such a big part of that is you're, you're not going to have people that are going to come back if your product does not deliver the benefits, the flavor, the everything that they're looking for. And so how did you know that you had something on your hands that was that was a really good business? What were some of those early signs that you started to see? Well, like I mentioned, the farmer's market and, and, and that that first, I guess, real market validation, that was the first inklings of of something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the realizing that I had solved a problem, that was the real, um, you know, the the idea that that uh, I was going out there and doing something that nobody had done. Like that showed me that this could exist in a marketplace that's already very crowded and already very uh, inundated with health products and, you know, this person or this brand and this brand and that brand. And so I think for me, the, the, like I said, one, just people liking the taste of it, but two, realizing that this was something that solved a problem and that didn't already exist in the market. Mm-hmm. That, that was the validation I needed that, that this had legs and that it actually could grow. Um, that being said, you know, all that sounds amazing, but you do have to make sure that on the back end, you know, the numbers make sense, the margins make sense. And so um, fortunately for me, um, you know, this product has good margins and has had good margins since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I could have a great product all day long, but if, I, if I'm not making any money, then it doesn't mean anything. And so I guess, you know, and I hope that that answered your question, but I think for me, having market validation mm-hmm. that um, having an innovative product and solving mm-hmm. a problem and then having a model that is scalable and, and won't drive me into the ground the larger I get um, all those things sort of showed me that hell this could be a, a viable you know long-lasting business mm-hmm. and so you also talked about which which I think is something a lot of founders experience this thing of being your own, harshest critic. And I have seen this firsthand in you, Dalton, <laughs> over the years that I've that I've known you. Um, yeah. And I think it was one of the key pieces in our work together that I think y- you kind of had to work with as you were starting to grow your brand and as you were um, getting ready to get more distribution in particular for your brand. So how did you know you were ready to, to start getting that distribution and, and to start growing? And how did you deal with those issues of being like your own worst critic? Uh, so, you know, I'll say that entrepreneurship is hard for many, many reasons. Um, but one of the largest reasons I think that it's difficult is the fact that it forces you not only to grow and evolve the product and the brand, but it also forces you to grow and evolve yourself as a person. Mm-hmm. And entrepreneur is not growing and if the entrepreneur is not evolving as a person then the business will not grow and evolve Oof. Um, pause, two- for, pause for effect because that was Maps. people need to hear that again right it's nope. so correlated like yeah. your growth as a founder and entrepreneur with the growth of your brand Oof, i love that and 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 so you know when you ask about distribution and how i knew i was ready or how I knew I needed it. Well, I knew I knew needed it in the beginning. Um, but my own insecurities and my own fears 
wouldn't allow me to go sit in front of, you know, uh, a distributor and say, hey, will you take on my product? Because I was afraid of getting shot down. I was afraid that, you know, I, or they would take me and I wouldn't be able to keep up with the demand or that life would somehow change because now I have to figure out how to, you know, do all these other things along with having a full-time job, along with having, you know, pets and trying to have a social life. Like, I, I was afraid of distribution. It's not, it's not that, it's not that, you know, a light bulb struck and I was like, oh, I think I'm ready for district. I always knew I needed distribution. Mm -hmm. I just was afraid to go after it. Mm -hmm. But, and, and, you know, you spoke about this, like you've seen my, my, uh, (laughs) my self-talk and, and, and how I treat myself and how, you know, much of a perfectionist I can be before I want anybody to see it. And it took, it's, it's the work that I, um, I guess experienced with you that made me realize Dalton, it's okay to start before you're ready. It's okay to to go sit in a meeting, even though you don't have all your ducks in a row. Like people, they're not going to laugh you out of the room. The worst that will happen is you will learn from that experience. Mm. Well, for me, I knew I was ready for distribution when as a person, I was ready to step into the role that I needed to assume uh, to do the things that are necessary to run a business. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, that perfectionism really was was something that came into play a lot, because I remember telling you, like, you know, you felt like my numbers aren't there. My numbers aren't there, like my velocity. And I was like, yes, you do. You have these numbers. You know, we would have these conversations where you felt like the numbers weren't there. But I was like, the numbers are there. You know, what's 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 not there is that confidence. What's what's really there is that fear, because um, you know, I see people building businesses with way worse numbers than you have, right? And um, and getting lots of funding and doing a lot of crazy things. And so it was really like those blocks, I felt that working t- through those helped you see like, wait, like, I actually, we're doing pretty good here. Um, and, and even though, yeah, maybe you had things that you had to figure out, like your manufacturing, um, yeah. like how do you not spread yourself too thin, right? Because you have other priorities in your life. Um, but, but I really sort of enjoyed working on that with you and seeing the results of it. Because now that you've gotten that distribution, right? Can you right. tell us about what that feeling was like and, and what that transition has has meant for you and the business? Yeah, um, so it felt great. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, you know, I walked in to that to the meeting with the distributors and they were blown away immediately. They loved the taste. They loved the, the value proposition and they were sold immediately. Um, and so that was an amazing feeling. And I, and I felt that way for about 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> And then the fear hit and then the anxiety hit. Oh no, how am I going to deliver this much product? How am I going to keep up, you know, with the demand? How am I going to still do all the things that I need to do? Um, and so all the, the, the fear started to sort of crowd my mind again. Mm. But what I will say to any entrepreneur that's listening, I, I will, you know, I would venture to say that probably 10% of the things that you worry about actually end up coming true that other 90 percent that you're worried about that you're scared about like it doesn't happen right the 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 crazy talks of oh this you know i'm not going to have this money or this person's going to do this or this they're going to pull it it never ends up happening most times mm-hmm. um, so 
you really do have to get out of your own way. You have to feel that fear, but still go go through with it and, and, and do it anyway, right? Um, so I felt that fear um, of how am I going to do this? And I let that sort of wash over me. And I felt that probably for like a week or two. And then I, I sat myself down and I said, Dalton, you know, we, we have a golden opportunity right now to really grow and scale this thing. Like, let's look at where we're at. Let's look at what needs to happen so that we can execute on, on um, you know, the things that we need to execute on. Uh, and I won't lie and say it's been easy, you know, doing self-manufacturing basically up until this point. Um, but I figured it out. And, and, you know, I found a co-packer and now we're being co-packed. And, you know, if you told me two years ago that oh, I, would, I would have a co-packer and a distributor and I'd be, you know, in cans and I'd be in stores all around, I would be like, okay, that's amazing, one. But number two, I have no idea how to make that happen. I but, think I told you this two years yeah, ago, maybe. You did. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you can do this. <laughs> but it took that long, right, to, to, to believe it and to yeah. grow into that feeling that that was possible. Yeah, and it's and it's, listen, it's working now. And like I said, like we've increased the, the amount of doors that we're in. Our velocities are, are you know, looking really solid right now. And so, um, you know, just leaping and 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 getting out of your own way like that for me at least that had a massive impact on the trajectory of the business wow and I, and I think it's just such a such a beautiful kind of uh depiction of of what really that entrepreneurship journey is all yeah. about and it's really about like showing up uh even when you don't feel like it it's yeah. about having to deal with your own shit crap right. bs that you're dealing with internally about whether you're good enough whether like this is a good idea right all of this stuff um and then you know having these moments that boost you forward and remind you like this is why i'm doing this right and and that's a part of it and and i too right when people ask like oh like i, I won't be an entrepreneur would you recommend it i'm like yes no. and no <laughs> yeah like no absolutely not <laughs> Don't do it. Be careful what you wish for, because it's not all roses and rainbows. And a lot of people think, well, the freedom and the this and the that. And it's so easy to build a business, um, but it, it's really not. And it comes so much, so much of building a business, especially when you're starting out, especially when you're like a team of one is yeah. dealing with yourself and dealing with your own blocks. Um, and that was that was news to me, too, in the entrepreneurship journey. Right. Like having to deal with yourself. <laughs> right. And it's hard because I, I feel like most entrepreneurs and most people that you know go out to be entrepreneurs, you know, we typically are high achievers. You know, we have been our whole lives. We've always been smart or, you know, we've we've excelled in whatever it is that we put our minds to. And so to come into a situation where we don't have any any you know measures of validation we have no nobody telling us you're on the right track you're doing a good job no way to compare ourselves um you know to the next person or the next brand or next company it's a scary place mm -hmm. for people that always excelled and always achieved like it's very scary to not know where you stand at any given moment and have to trust that the way that you feel internally and what you know to be true and what you know in your gut is is the truth and that you don't need someone to say oh that a boy and you know your performance review or you know to be validated because of your salary or whatever to trust right. yourself, you know to trust yourself and really also like you know 
a lot of folks, and that was something I myself, it was, it was like, oh, this is different from entrepreneurship. And particularly when I went from a full-time job to like a full-time entrepreneur was this sort of like, wait a minute, like now I got to do everything. And like, <laughs> and like, now there's not this structure and there's not this manager breathing down my neck to get this done. Like, it, it it needs to come from within, right? Because right. if it doesn't, like, it's not going to happen. No, nobody else has skin in the game except you. So um, it's, it's a hard thing to show up every single day as an entrepreneur. But I think, like you mentioned, right, like the satisfaction of seeing your brand grow, of seeing your company grow, um, really can sometimes feel like it makes some of those harder days worth it. Uh, yeah. And And that, you know, as long as you stay connected to your vision and your mission and what the purpose of what you're trying to create I think that can really help keep keep you steady and keep you grounded in that in that journey absolutely but we talked about also you you briefly mentioned you know trying to find a co-packer and that's something oh so many of my clients I mean like there is not one single person that I've worked with that does not have <laughs> questions comments, concerns, and complaints about co-packers. Yeah. So how did you, like, how were you able to figure out that, like, you needed that? And how did you find the right partner? Um, Google. Is, mm-hmm. is, is, has Google's all your these. friend? Google is your friend. Um, so I, I, a part of the issue with Kofucha um, is that it doesn't exist and it hasn't been made commercially anywhere, mm-hmm. at least at, at, at that scale. Um, and so going into any type of conversation with the many co-packers that I Googled and had conversations with, it was a lot of trying to educate around, well, this is what Kofucha is. This is why, you know, your facility, like you can, you can run this at your facility. I mean, I had so co-packers come to me and say i'm afraid to run this because you know this is a a fermented product it has yeast and and bacteria good yeast and bacteria in it and i don't want it to contaminate my lines and this that and the third and i'm telling them well you're already making kombucha like this is like what's the difference here and i had to push that you know you know i guess sort of push those fears out of their mind of listen I know this product is new. I know you've never heard of something like this. I know you've never made something like this, um, but it's okay. And so for me, that was the hardest part in finding a co-packer uh, that, that sort of aligned with me. Anybody can get on Google, type in co-packer for beer, type in co-packer for kombucha and something will pop up. But to find that partner, um, that is a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. And so after I found someone that uh, was actually, you know, the, the co-packer that we are working with is a brewery, um, a beer brewery, but they, the, the head of this brewery is very familiar with kombucha, loves kombucha, co-packs uh, kombucha, another kombucha brand. And, you know, the conversation around what it is went very seamlessly. It's like, okay, green flag mm-hmm. um, of these types of products. So I know that when you taste it, like you're going to be a discerning palate as opposed to you know, someone that wouldn't really care about the taste of this product. Mm-hmm. Well, that bag, um, you know, they, they, 
uh, are, are close to me in, in distance, ge ge geographically speaking. So that's a green flag in terms of just shipping costs and things of that nature. Um, and just, you know, the vibe, you, you, you can feel when someone is a good fit for you. And that's just finding a co-packer, that's finding a partner, that's finding a mentor, that's finding a partner in life. You know, you can feel it when, you know, you and another person or you and another entity are aligned and it, and it you know, are, you're vibrating at a high frequency, right? Mm. Um, you know, when I checked all those boxes, I was like, well, I think that this is a, this is going to be a, a good partnership. Wow. That's, that's really helpful because I think, you know, so many people, because especially small brands, right? It's hard to get co-packers time. It's hard to get them to pay attention to you, um, especially if they're like some of those larger co-packers. And sometimes this urgency will make folks pick partners that yeah. are not aligned with what you're trying to do. And then, and then there you go, right? Two months down the line, they haven't delivered your product. Two right. months down the line, there's quality issues with your product you know, whatever. And, and I've seen this, I've seen this uh, like all the time. It happens all the time. And so finding, um, a, a partner that really understands what you're trying to do, that yeah. really connects with what you're trying to do. And that feels like they're going to be aligned in your journey is, is so critical, especially as you, as you scale up. Right. And, and not just co-packing across the board, like you said, yeah. there needs to be that connection, especially even as you grow and you need to hire people. Um, it, it's so important to find that that good fit. Yeah. And like, I will say that, you know, when we speak about sort of getting out of our own way and, and, and growing as a person, um, I had to be okay. I had to learn throughout this journey to let go a little bit and, mm -hmm. and know that it's okay to bring other people on and, and you know, have um, the, my areas of deficiency be filled by someone that is actually good at distributing a product, being good at making a product, being good at, you know, marketing a product. I had to learn to let go. And I think that, you know, every time that I have let go, the business has jumped forward. That being said, every single person or every single um, partnership that I've made has been a very good alignment with who I am as a person and who my brand, you know, what my brand is and what my brand stands for. Mm -hmm. And so finding those partners, finding good partners, even if it does take a little longer, is so much, it's so much uh, more valuable than finding someone that is available, but isn't really a match for you. Mm, yeah. And really taking your time with that process. Um, but you said something that also lit me up, which is this idea of letting go of control, which yeah. is something that a lot of founders, right? The vast majority of founders struggle with. Um, they struggle with delegation. They struggle with, well, like, uh, you know, nobody's going to do it as perfect as I do it. Um, yeah. If I want it done correctly, I have to do it myself. And I remember you telling me about you going and doing all your distribution and your store checks. And we'd be like, this is not sustainable, Dalton. <laughs> like, you got to stop doing that. Right. But it's like, yeah, but I got, I have to. Like, you felt like at that time, like, like it was you or, or nobody else could do it like 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 you could right um so what was that uh change in mindset other than finding like the right partner of of really kind of taking the the claws off a little bit and being like okay I'm willing to 
allow and receive more help, even if it might not be in the perfect exact way that I would want everything to be done. Yeah. I mean, like, and you mentioned it, like it was, it was that conversation with you. And I remember I was sitting in my car, I was in the, uh, I was sitting out in my driveway uh, and we were, we were talking and I was telling you about my distribution and how I was going to every store. And you were saying, Dalton, like this, you can't, like, this is not, it, it won't last. Like, how are you going to do that? In 500 stores, a thousand stores. Um, and after that call, I came inside and I just sat down. I didn't turn the TV on. I didn't drink anything. I didn't eat anything. I just sat there and I was, I was like, you know what, Daniela has a point. Like, how can I, she may have been on to something. She might have known something. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, There's no way that I can grow this if every single day I'm going to store by store by store. There's no way that I can grow this if every day I'm having to drive, I'm having to deliver orders. There's no way that I can grow this if every day I'm stuck in the kitchen making the product, right? Like it, you can be anything that you want in this world, but you can't be everything. Choose what you're gonna be and, and be the best at that and then outsource for everything else. And, that, and once I started doing that, things just flying like daggum the right brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And I, and I think it's, you know, everybody, you know, when you start off, of course, you're the founder, you're the CEO, you're marketing, you're sales, you're finance, you're HR, you're production, you're food sciences, you're, you're R&D, you're everything, especially if you're a solo founder, right? A lot of uh, companies now, it's like, there's a couple of founders that can kind of split these up among them. Um, but even then, it's like you have limited resources and you have to play all the roles and wear all the hats. Right. But eventually comes a point where that that is is not sustainable, right? Like there are no big companies that are run by one person, right? You, you need people that are specialized in these particular functions or partners that are specialized so that you can focus on the things that really matter and are going to drive the business forward. And, and you can, you know, keep doing it if your goal is to re remain small. And, and some people want to stay small, right? They would just want to keep doing it themselves. They want to keep going to farmers markets and, and keep their business at a, at a manageable level for them. Um, but, but if your goal is to grow, if your goal is to make it a sustainable long-term business that's going to nourish you and nourish other people, then you need to be willing to give up some of that control. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so what would you say is what you are, what are some of like the things that are on your mind now at this point of the business? So you've secured distribution, you've, you're, you're scaling up your production and you have a co-packer, your velocities are doing swimmingly well. So what, what are the things on the docket now? What are, what are the challenges and opportunities that you see for the brand right now? Uh, yeah, so my biggest, um, I guess what, what, what occupies my brain space 80% of the time uh, these days is financing. Um, you know, we, we're doing really well. We're in the New Orleans area. Uh, but, you know, we think that if we go to Texas, if we go to Dallas and Austin and Houston and expand out, that we could see the same success that we're seeing, um, you know, in New Orleans. Uh, but to do that takes money. It takes capital, um, you know, business, any business, but especially the beverage industry. It is a very capital intensive um, sort of endeavor. And so 
um, you know, right now I'm, I'm becoming, I guess, educated on financing, what that looks like and, and, you know, how I can secure financing for my company to move forward. That's really been my, my focus these past few, I guess, weeks and months. That's yeah. And, and I think that's a common thing that folks in, in your stage of the business, right? It's like, things are going good. And now next level, like what's the next level, right? Like in the video game, it's like, you just passed this level. And now the next level is like, well, if you want to grow, you often need some money. And so um, I think that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I'm sure that, that, that will, will certainly happen. Um, Especially when you have a, a product that is so well received, right? I mean, I can't stress enough the importance of velocity because so many people and founders these days don't even have that story to tell right Right. with the pandemic so many things got um switched right a lot of people lost distribution in certain channels uh people switched brands there were so many things that happened to the market um since you know during that time and since then that that to even be able to say that your velocity is growing is already a huge leg up uh, yeah. to to other folks. So surely you will you will have that um, that next level. I, I'm excited for what that what that will mean for Daydream. Yeah, me too. Um. Anyway, so what would you say now that we're sort of wrapping up? Do you have one piece of advice you would give to founders and entrepreneurs who are starting off their journey? So maybe they have an idea or maybe they have one product um, or like a a variety of different products and and they're thinking about what do I need to do? What do I go next? What would you tell them? Mm, That's a good question. Um, Well, I would tell them to keep going. I would tell them to just keep going. Um, You know, in the early days, I think that it's really important that you just, you keep, you you know, you get back up, you'll get knocked down. You're going to get your nose. You're not, you know, you're going to go to a store and and they're not going to want your product. You're going to go to a distributor and they're not going to want to distribute your product. You're going to look for a co-packer and they're not going to want to co-pack. Keep going. I think that, you know, at many different stages throughout this business, I could have stopped. Um, when I felt like there was no hope, there was no way that I could make it past this hurdle, that I could make it past this challenge, and that this was the end. And somehow, some way, I made it past. And you know, like you said, we're we're experiencing great velocities. Uh, you know, where the the prospect for the business is looking really good right now. And I wouldn't have had that if I stopped. I wouldn't have had that if I let a temporary emotion. You know guide my my permanent action moving forward so i would say just just keep going actually can i can i have two yes okay or um take care of yourself i think it's it's really to get lost in the journey um it's really easy to get into this headspace of um you know once i get over this hill or once i fall you know solve this problem and everything will be easy breezy and that's that is never the case you know, you solve a problem, another one pops up in its place. And so if you don't build time to take care of yourself, to, to, to um, you know, take yourself on a date or, 
you know, just not work or not respond to emails for a couple of days, whatever it may be for you. Like if you don't do that, you will experience burnout because there is no stop. There is no, you know, it's, it gets easy after I do X. It's always hard. It's always, there's always a problem. So find it the never t- gets easier. That's right. It's so you true. Get better, you get better at it, but it, you know, it, it doesn't get any easier. It doesn't get any easier. And the challenges keep coming, right. As an entrepreneur and as a founder, it's like, and I think so much of, right, like the American discourse is around like hustle culture and grind hard 24 yeah. seven. And like, I'm on my shit all the time. And, um, <laughs> and I think that's, you know, we're programmed to believe that like, I have this business and so I'm responsible. And then it, it becomes this thing that is, that takes over your entire life. And if yeah. you're not careful, then that can lead you to neglecting other parts of your life. And if the whole point of you becoming an entrepreneur was freedom, like what does that really look like for you? Does your freedom really look like doing emails at midnight? Is that really what you wanted to manifest into this (laughs) by creating this business? Probably not, right? Probably what you wanted is have the ability to spend more time with your friends and family, to be out in nature, to, to have whatever like a balanced life looks like to you and and you have to be so intentional about it like that's been my experience is like I need to be so intentional I need to put it in my calendar I need yep. to put limits on when I take meetings right I need to um and I need to be able to even kind of follow my own boundaries because very often I'll be like I don't take meetings and then I'll be like well I'll open it up right yeah. and and like it's, hold it's, true to the things that you actually want yeah, it no, it's it's really hard because you almost make yourself feel guilty for taking that time for yourself. You always make yourself feel guilty for not responding to that email immediately or not responding to that that text message immediately. It's like no, like if if as an entrepreneur, if you fall, the business falls. So you gotta take care of you. You gotta take care of you. And because nobody's gonna do it for you. That's the other thing, right? Again, there's no manager breathing down your neck. There's nobody telling you like, take your break, like take your lunch. Um, There's nobody there to do that, but yourself. And so it's, you know, it's something I've really, really kind of had to learn over time in, in the process. But once you're able to create that, that's when that feeling of freedom really starts to take place. I think, and, yep. and you're able to really sustain it long term, because like you said, like burning the candle at both ends will literally leave you with no candle. Like you yep. will just disintegrate into the ether um, <laughs> because you have nothing left to give. And so something that I also remind myself of, and I remind everybody in my life of, is that you're actually more productive, right? So if what you care about is doing things well, doing a lot of things, then actually like spreading yourself thin and thinking you can do everything and, and filling your calendar and not sleeping and all these things that are so common will actually make you less productive over time. They'll make you a worse leader. They'll make you a worse CEO. Like you'll be more irritable. You'll be less willing to grow. And so having that centeredness and that groundedness actually allows you to perform better, be more productive. And in turn, your company will do better too. Right. It's like yeah. highly tied to your business outcome. It's not, we're not just saying this to be like, woo, woo. Um, right. And, and I think that, you know, it was something we've talked a lot about, you know, throughout our time together and, and in the years together, right. Where it's like, you have to take care of you. 
Yep. You you have to. That's like base level functioning. Yep. 100%. Well, any advice, that's the one. Take care of you. Take care of you. Well, that feels like an amazing way to end the show. Thank you so much, Dalton, for coming on. It's always a pleasure to talk with you and hear about your journey. I'm sure it was very informational and helpful to everybody listening. Beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Yay. Until next time.